Welcome to Level Up Academy, the podcast that's dedicated to the higher education community that brings you countless stories of employees, students, and faculty's journey in this remote world we live in. We are expanding our podcast to business leaders and community experts who are sharing their adversity that each one of us experience and share their story to inspire and inform our world. This is your host, Dr. Leland, a serial educator an opportunities designer and a compassionate leader. Hello, Level Up listeners. Today, I have a very special guest, and I mean special. It's my first Filipina from the Philippines, right? Guess we're going to talk about leadership. Go ahead and introduce yourself to our listeners. Hi, Dr. Leland, and hello to our listeners in 20 countries. I am Francis Malalis. I am a millennial corporate leader in the Philippines. I graduated from college last 2012, so I've been in the workforce for 10 years now. Uh, from when I was in elementary up to college, Dr. Leland, I would always be involved in several leadership roles especially in service-oriented organizations, which I think have pre-primed me for several leadership roles in real life. Awesome. What else do I need to know about you? Well, I'm a firm mom. I have, like, I and my boyfriend share around 13 dogs right now. And, yes, that's a lot. Wow, okay. (laughs) Yes, but we're so happy with them. Wow, I have four dogs. I have two German Shepherds and two English Bulldogs. And I thought I got it going on. I'm like, I have four dogs. That's just too much. 13. I don't know if I, I can know. handle that. That's a lot. I know. I can't enumerate their names actually in just one go. But they're almost all of them are brands of bags. So I'm kind of like flexing to other millennials. And to <laughs> my, my biggest a bag collection. <laughs> yeah, I, I named one of my dogs Louis, okay? And he was the roughest ever. And I gave him a Louis Vuitton. Um, actually, it was pre-made from a, a bag of Louis because Louis Vuitton doesn't make bigger uh, color. It's just really small. Mm-hmm. And then I had another yeah. English bully. Sudden, you know, she died oh, last year. Great. And I was so sad she had a heart attack. And I love dogs. 13, though, I'm, I'm trying to, like, grasp my way in there (laughs) wow that's a lot okay so tell me a little bit more about yourself when you transition to the real world when I transitioned to the real world it was actually I had mixed emotions you know um I already started working two days after my graduation and at the time I was still sleep deprived then from all the studying and maybe all the partying (laughs) I was emotionally unstable as I just got out of a relationship. I was still recuperating from my stress-induced sickness, and I had to part ways from my family and start a new life, move to a big city where my first job was. So really, you know, starting a new professional life with that baggage, a lot of baggage with no time to breathe at all, I mean, that really tested me. Wow. And tell me a little bit about that situation. Yeah, it was, it was hard. You know, I 
of course, in school, right, we're prepared, we prepare usually for an exam, right? We have reviewers, etc. But in real life, we're still like preparation. It's a surprise. The test comes first before actually the, the lessons. It was hard. But, you know, um, I think how I over, how I was able to um, get out of that um, adversity or how I was able to deal with that was to do a lot of introspection, really. You know, it was an internal dialogue that helped. Um, what helped for me, um, Dr. Yud, was first I had this intentional paradigm shift. Like, I had to tell myself that this is it, okay, Francis? Like, this was what you went for. I mean, this is what you went to school for for like 17 years in total. Embrace it because there's no going back, right? But I think you can agree with me. Yeah. In college, you want to go back as allowances from your parents, but once you're already done, you're done. Yeah. Yeah. So, second is that I stuck to my vision. I would always remind myself that every circumstance is temporary and that every person or situation I would meet to either help me or not in attaining my vision. So, it actually went back to me as having the ultimate choice, you know, of having the power over how I would handle that uh, new situation, that new life for me. Yeah, that actually is kind of a big transition from like moving out. I remember I moved out of my house when I was 18, uh, going to college. I had a full-time job in high school, junior year in high school. I think wow, I was 16. Mm-hmm. I, I had a full-time job. I work at a bank, actually mm-hmm. part-time. It was like 30 hours, but I, while I was going to high school, I was also going to college and I had a part-time job working at a bank. And then by senior year, I actually graduated junior in high school. And then senior year, I came back for only two classes. So I worked full-time in high school. And then I went to college. College, usually, it's like full-time is four classes, right? It's like three units Mm -hmm. each, four classes, 12 units. Well, I was crazy, and I had 24 units. <laughs> I had eight classes because I double major. Um, I had a double major and a minor. I had computer software programming and communications, like journalism. It was too opposite, okay? I know, right? Yeah. Very technical and then very talkative, like quantitative. I did journalism. I wrote for the school newspaper. I did public speaking throughout my high school career, so I would compete different schools and high schools mm-hmm. for public speaking, and I always win. So I was like, journalism it is, you know, and I start dabbing in writing, and I was like, I can do yeah. it. Uh, I didn't know how to speak English, but I didn't really care what people think, you know, and I'm like, at the end of the day, it's, I'm not going to die speaking. It's fine, you know, and if I'm embarrassed, so what? Like, as if you're not embarrassed. Like, that was always my attitude. Like, so what, you know, and it got me somewhere. Yeah, I'm like, you got me somewhere because people, I think you get hurt by words because you internalize it. Like, oh, I'm not good enough or, oh, people think I'm ugly. Oh, like, I can't help if I'm ugly. I can't help if I, well, okay, maybe now you can, you know, like back then. Mm -hmm. And I can't help if I'm short. How am I supposed to get one foot taller? I can't, right? It's not Mm -hmm. a me problem. It's you. You're looking at me wrong. That's how I see it. Yeah, that's not my problem. This is me. Like, this is my face. This is my height. I don't care, you know. Um, so I see, I could feel that transition and, and I'm still going to school. I'm getting my second master's after my MBA, my doctorate now, uh, cybersecurity. Mm-hmm. And 
I took a break wow. actually in it's summer. Yeah, I took a break because the lab work is 30 hours and I have a lot of jobs happening right now. So I. Do you ever sleep? <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I, I was talking to Jabella at one in the morning, my time. I'm like, I gotta go to bed. I have to go tomorrow for a podcast at 7 a.m. So. <laughs> Yeah, so it's it's just I try to be impactful as much as I can. So I see that transition mm-hmm. very big. That's right. What traits and skills do you feel are the most important on becoming a leader? Yeah, I, I can think of three traits and skills. The first one is non-negotiable. Uh, you must be a visionary for you to become a leader. Where you want to lead your team, you know, your organization, your people must be crystal clear to you. You must have the ability see past the status quo and you know focus on what's possible and then second is that a leader must be a great and empathetic communicator so i think we have this one in the bag don't we yeah <laughs> yeah just be able to you know connect with your team because there's no sense having a vision and not being able to communicate that right and when i say communication it means verbally plus non-verbally as well because I think the latter is more important also because, you know, we say that actions speak louder than words, right? It can be hard to believe you as a leader if, for example, your whole team is on this metaphorical boat and you're directing them to, you know, steer forward, steer forward, guys. But you, your actions as a leader, you're steering backward, right? So you're not believable at all. And so the third is that you must be realistic and reasonable. It's one thing to be a visionary, but it's another to be able to acknowledge what's in front of you. Like, what are the challenges on the ground and how is your team doing or feeling? You know, bridging the gap between the vision and the reality of where you are is how magic happens, I believe. It's how you can make the most efficient, smart, and informed decisions as a leader. That's excellent. Actually, that's true. Sometimes, you know, when I look at words... And I put it on LinkedIn. Recently, I actually posted last Sunday about grit. I think you saw it. And I'm super surprised that literally the impression on that post is like 4,000. Wow, it's a lot. Yeah. And I was like, how? And I'm looking at it. And I think it's it's how we're feeling right now, right? Mm -hmm. How we're growing as people are changing. COVID really highlighted a lot of things that are wrong in our in our society. Like, for example, back when I had my dissertation, back in 2011, I believe, when I, I, I went to the Philippines, to actually interview executive women and their values and the culture versus mm-hmm. American cultures. And I found out on my dissertation, I was actually kind of shocked, that in America, we fight for everything, we, you know, we talk about it, we discuss it, you know, we move forward and we're very loud about changes and we've been screaming equality for women forever it seems like right but i found out through my research that u.s actually have the top 10 lowest executive women employed and philippines we're technically still considered third world countries we're not even emerging right but yet we're considered top 10 almost the top 20 um business leaders that employed women so why is that right obviously germany and china is communist and they have 63 percent of their executive women at that time were cfos 
Wow. You're like, it's communist country. They never Same. have equality. Yeah. Okay, but look at their stats, right? 63%. Something is definitely wrong, and we need to continue. And And I'm very passionate about women and girls, and I actually am an ambassador for United Nations for women and girls because I have two daughters. Yeah. And I'm thinking... I'm thinking about their future, and I volunteer for coaching for GMI, which is Global Mentorship Initiative on underserved students, because it's hard to be poor. Even it doesn't matter when you're when you're smart. If you don't have the resources, you're not going to be able to right. do anything much, right? And join the journey is in Africa, which is another company that gives mini micro loans to women who can't afford to feed their family three times a day and they're doing something with that and i help coach women whether it's marketing whether it's sourcing i remember when i was in the philippines we have like little tiny what is that like outside your house kind of you know market that you put like you have this much sugar you have this much toyo, you have this much you know and i grew up like that we had a farm i grew up in a farm we sell eggs and fish and and so I remember, and I'm like, okay, I can help now on how marketing works in your village. Because when you're talking about marketing in the U.S. versus marketing in Africa in a small village, it's a big difference, mm-hmm. right? Customers mm-hmm. are different. And they're like, how do, you, how do you know? I'm like, hello, in the Philippines. You know, I grew up and <laughs> yeah. we had a farm. I grew up in a farm. So it's kind of like that. So that's awesome. Now, when you are going through your adversity and you're talking about like leadership, what does leadership look like to you and how do you approach leading others? Yeah, I think that's a great question because for us to actually exemplify leadership, right, you have to define it, right? So I think that in general, uh, leadership means um, inspiring people and influencing them to take action. This leadership for me is about really connecting your vision with your people. It's heavy on tapping the very essence of human resources, like your people skills, uh, their passion, their aspirations, and even their realities at home. Sometimes we're so dead set, or corporations, organizations, right, are so dead set in achieving numeric targets that we tend to forget that it's the human faculties that will eventually lead you, your team, your company into that achievement. So. My approach to leadership has been two-pronged. It's vision-centric and people-centric. They go ahead and they must go ahead and hand, I should say. Yeah, that's true. Vision-centric. It's it's also I find that when you have a vision, it's so big for people to grasp and how it connects with and synchronize their daily activities or their daily duties, mm-hmm. especially if the organization is so large that you're like, I'm just a janitor. Like, how can I literally help with this vision, right? And I think right. it's also the manager and manager's, middle manager's job to make sure that whatever the vision is connecting all the way down, right? Um, right. So that's the the vision part. Now, people-centric, I like empathy that you were talking about mm-hmm. and ensuring that we focus more on the people rather than the numbers, right? Because honestly, if you're motivated as a person, that numbers will go out of the ballpark, right? Correct. Yeah, because you're, you're like, your targets even. yeah, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so motivated. I want to do this. Yeah. I want to help them out because you're motivated, right? And Yeah, and you understand your vision. 
you understand why you're doing this. Yeah, and you're like, I can do this. We're we're gonna do this mm-hmm. together, and you feel part of the team rather than like, oh, that sales quota is so high. I don't even know if I'm gonna get it. You know what I mean? Like, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you're like uh because i've done sales and it's like oh my god how am i gonna do that in a month rather than like okay what's your weekly goal what's your daily goal right has to go back to micro it's like having that vision and make sure mm-hmm. that you actually connect it with your daily jobs awesome sure. job now has the present or recent COVID 19 we're technically still in COVID. i just had COVID uh <laughs> four weeks ago <laughs> have changed your leadership style like is leading others become more challenging for you? Yeah, definitely. It's become more challenging, but I would say uh, more meaningful as well. You know, prior to the pandemic, and I believe you'd agree with this, Dr. Lin, that the boundary between our personal and professional life before was clear, right? But because uh, most of us, if not all, were working from home at the height of the pandemic, the two were hard to separate. Like you're doing, you're attending a meeting and then you're washing the dishes at the same time, right? So that's why as a leader, the set health crisis, you know, inspired me to be more empathetic again, to be more considerate and be more supportive of my team. Yeah, that's true. Sometimes 13 dogs while you're talking will bark. Mine, when I'm teaching a class, will snore. And they're looking at me like, are you sleeping? I'm like, no. I have two bulldogs right here, and they're snoring. I'm sorry. I apologize. I I can't help you right now. Like, just focus on what I'm saying. But because we just have to. And and also, sometimes you actually are on people's homes, right? Like, okay, this internet Wi-Fi is only good for the kitchen. You see the whole mess in the kitchen and the whole laundry, like, you know. Such a challenge. Yeah, and you're, like, trying to put curtains, like, cover it up with blankets, right? Because everyone sees your, your, your background. And some software, like Zoom, I can do a background. With mm-hmm. Team Meets or Adobe, it doesn't allow for me to put that v- virtual background, no, right? Background. So mm-hmm. it's kind of hard to do that. So I'm glad that you're you're actually thinking about your people more empathetic and supportive of your team. Now, have you discovered your purpose in life? We're going deeper now. You're right. I need tissue for this. <laughs> <laughs> well, for a long time. I was puzzled as to what really, you know, is our purpose here because we know that we don't own anything in this world and, you know, everything's just passing. So I asked myself, what's the point in everything? And I may sound preachy, but um, I discovered from the scriptures that our purpose really here is to represent God to others. No, of course, that's easier said than done. And maybe I might start off as, you know, um, trying to be holy, but you know, it helped me a lot in bringing perspective into this world. It anchors me in everything, not just in my career, but in almost all facets in life. I would always pause for a moment and think about how would God want me to represent Him in all of my life circumstances? How does this situation make sense in the greater scheme of things? And now it's okay for me not to understand things while they're happening. Because I know they're part of a greater and much better plan. Yeah. I, you know, 
you've experienced it where you plan really good, really well, and you're like, oh, geez, that didn't go as according to plan. Because mm-hmm. technically, we can plan as much as until wow. we're blue in the face. The end of the day, I think the architect of our life is really God. True. Right? True. He already built it for you. You just have to navigate through that puzzle. You know what I mean? And sometimes you have to listen. Like, you can't see him. You can't touch him. You can't really talk to him like this mm-hmm. back and forth. But I think if you pause in your life and you really see how blessed you are, how blessed I am to actually meet you, right? I think it's already architect in our life at one point or another. There's a purpose. And every single interaction we have with any other human being, there's a purpose. We don't know what is, but you just go with your gut feeling, right? It's yeah, that it's, it's that little he- voice, and you're like, oh, why not, right? I mean, like, seriously, yeah. you're in the Philippines. Like, I didn't even know you, and here we are mm-hmm. talking about leadership and not that much difference, I think, leadership in the Philippines and, and the U.S. And I really love what you say, that it's guiding you. Actually, it took me forever, over 40 years of my life, you know, like, <laughs> to find my purpose. purpose. I've already known I always love to help. Literally, I when I was in high school, I won the key to my city here in the U.S. Because I was crazy. In high school, I already told you I graduated junior year. Yeah. And I competed everywhere. And I was pretty much on every single thing that you can think of. Like Rotary International. I was president here and president there. International <laughs> Club. You're right? Yeah. yeah. So it's just within us like to do it. And it's volunteer. And what I did was I actually had a thousand. Like usually here schools, you're required 10 hours to volunteer. I did a thousand hours of volunteer in one year. Wow. Who are you? Right? I was like, what? And I was in school and I was working. Amazing. Right? Did so you socialize even? Oh, I had social life. I had I go out and ice skates with and roller skates with my friends like on Saturdays, you know? And we had sleepovers. But yeah, I think what it is is like when I just had an interview, I said one word, be intentional. I'm like, wait, CJ, that is two words. Be intentional. Hello, <laughs> syllables. And I'm like, whatever, you know. But I think what I'm thinking when I say one word is intentions, right? Be intentional, obviously, is two words. But I was always intentional on helping others. And I think I've gotten feedback from my podcast from um, Pakistan, I think, one time, mm-hmm. and said that she's really low in her life. And mm-hmm. one of my podcasts actually got her through that hump. And I wanted to continue Aww. for that one person, right? I wanted to continue yeah. for that one person because sometimes you don't know who you're helping. And I feel like my purpose in life is a conduit. I'm bringing people to other people through their stories, through their adversity, right? And I think that's, for me, is my purpose, just having that story out because no one knows your story but you unless you share it, right? Now, do you have, like, a lifetime career goal? Yes, yes, of course. And uh, we're so similar because... I also want to help people in whatever or in every way possible. I'd like to live a life of significance for others. Like, I want to add value to them. And I think I'm pretty much in the right career or industry now because 
know, the insurance industry where I'm in um, has a noble purpose. And what I do in the recruitment team is pr to provide opportunities for people to change their lives. We don't know, maybe uh, in the future I'll change careers. I want to be a lawyer someday, you know, but of course that's, that would still entail helping other people. Yeah, helping others to me is the way to give back to the community, right? Because if we don't right. have money, financials, we have time. And you can't buy time. You wish you could. And I think that's the most precious assets that we have is time. Um, what agree more. Yeah. What about your career that inspires you? Like, how does inspiration allow you to inspire others? Oh, um, a lot, actually. Um, but I think in my career now, it's actually, you know, fulfilling my calling to get to know people, to speak to them, and to connect with them. So I'm grateful I get to do that in my current role. Every time I'm on stage, I forget the world, and it's just that moment that matters, which allows me to be my best in inspiring other people, you know, to change their lives. Um, I know it's rare for people to find that in a career, and it, it took me a lot of, you know, time to, to discover it. But it is my wish that our listeners will find that as well. I hope so too. Sometimes it is hard. You people here in the U.S. just work, 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 and they're really not mm -hmm. happy with their job. And teaching for me is like so ideal. They don't pay well, okay, in that mm -hmm. career, but. Like I said, sometimes money isn't everything, right? There's a lot of, like, there's a lot of Hollywood stars, like Robin Williams. I, I really loved him. And, you know, he makes people really, like, fun and appreciate life. And here he is feeling so lonely when he has millions and millions of fans. Money is, was not a, an obstacle for him, yet he still felt alone, right? So I think, right, yeah, I think helping others that you see where your work is aligned with what your moral and ethical code is and what you're passionate about is so ideal, right? So I'm glad that you said that. What do you think leaders can do to promote success in their teams? Like what kind of tips would you provide for your colleagues? Aside from what I mentioned earlier, um, I think the most important tip would be that uh, to be authentic to be sincere, because I think that there's no substitute to a leader's character. No matter how good you are on paper, no matter how popular you are as a leader, you know, it's your heart that matters at the end of the day. So check yourself out as a leader. Why are you in that role? What do you wish to accomplish? And how do you think you add value to the lives of your team? That actually have a lot of questions in there that I wish most leaders are self-aware of I what know. they're doing. Because I think most leaders um, in the company is bottom line, cut all the fluff, is how do we grow? How much money are we earning? Right? Are we getting our targets? Right. So at the end of the day, it's all about the money. And like you said, we need to focus more on people because money will come at the same time, right? Mm -hmm. And being authentic is super important. I think there's so much things that we hide when we're working, but I think mm -hmm. working remotely that we got pushed because of COVID kind of helps some people do self-reflection. Like, is my work important enough or should I move and change careers? And a lot of teachers in the U.S. are quitting K-12 
because it demands so much and now they have an opportunity to remote eat, remote work or do hybrid or just change careers they don't get paid well and now they're even afraid of their lives because high school shootings are a thing it's a scary times here in the US after the Ovalve shooting 4 days after that i actually got a text from my my kids school that there was an active shooter in the school my heart dropped oh no yeah and it was like a nightmare for parents after all that news and then all of a sudden your reality is it's happening in your kids school what and i hate mm-hmm. that feeling and every time they go to school i'm like i'm i'm a stalker mom You know what I mean? So it's it's yeah, I I stay in the parking lot. I'm like is everything okay, you know, and then I leave. But it's really hard. So I'm glad you said authentic because we do need to be who we are, right? Now, I actually watch a an interview of Dalai Lama, his holiness, right? He said, "Changes begins within you. Use compassion to change the world and ultimately what you're doing today that makes an impact on the lives of those around you right so how do you change or how do you hope to change the world around you oh, that's a very deep question i think the deepest deepest question <laughs> the other questions that we have and um i think the question is actually so coincidental because recently just like you i published a book and it's entitled the millennial black box My goal was to help fellow millennials and younger generations in navigating the young adult life. And you know what? The first sentence of the book was this, and if I can quote myself, it reads this: "What course should I take so I can change the world?" Unquote. And this happened. Um, I, I thought of this years and years ago. So really, it was already part of my agenda several years ago. And. Now that I have ten uh, years worth of experience in the real world, I realize that it's such a huge calling. Um, it's overwhelming, right? It's um, it's overwhelming to go to work, you know, and perform your best and stuff. And then now you're gonna change the world. But I I had again a paradigm shift. I realized that the world actually changes when you do something, even or no matter how small that is. So now I do my best at my job and recommend my book to the youth as they're referencing growing up. You know the message of the book, Dr. Leland, is that um, you know uh, push them to to dream big, to encourage them to dream, even though they may face adversity adversities of whatever kind. Encourage them to push boundaries, and you know I also share my journey generously, the things I learned from my experiences uh, to several platforms like. Uh, sessions, um, conferences, seminars, and here uh, through this podcast, you know, so that um, in hopes of uh, sparking change in the world. And I thank you. <laughs> that is so cool. Now, is your book in Amazon, or where is your book? Not not yet in Amazon, but we're getting there. Now it's on Kobito, and it's on Shopee. If you're familiar, so I actually had. Um, I actually exceeded the target number of books for my pre-order, so I had to open another batch of uh, pre-order uh, quantity for inventory for that because apparently a lot of millennials and younger generations really, really need to hear you know real stories because we know a lot of young uh, 
you know, transitioning to the real world is challenging, but no one actually talks to people what their real adversities were, right? Yeah. Like, how did you transition? What were your challenges really? Because sometimes we tend to, you know, show it to the world that we got this. I know, like, it's not like every day's Instagram story. Right, like everyone's like Facebook, Instagram story. It's not that way in real life. Like seriously, you know. On the nose, yeah, yeah. So the book is like we opened our raw stories, and this is not just about my story, Dahmila, because I'm joined by my ten friends from different universities in the Philippines, across the country, just to give more meat, you know, to the book. And I'm so happy because. You know, um, families, even par- parents, reach out to me and, hey, how much is your book? I want to buy it for my kid, for my child. And she's um, very promising. I get those messages a lot. So it really humbles me, you know, and uh, even fuels my desire to help more people, the youth in particular. Yeah, I think, especially in the Philippines, I think we kind of need that. Like, you know how people are like, oh my God, there is no book in life or there's no book in parenting. Technically, there is book in parenting. It's just that your child is different than the book described. You know what I mean? Like, it's like saying, okay, I'm going to build a house and you actually got a car. Like, how do you... it? You know what I mean? It's just like that. It's the same thing. Or like you're buying, you're intending to buy bread and then you went shopping for something else. And it happens to me all the time. I'm like, I'm I'm buying two things. I get out of the groceries full of groceries and I'm shaking my head. I'm like, CJ, you failed again to stay on your list today. But it happens. Yeah. It's because it's our desire to always do better. It's desire to always do well. To you know, you mean well, but you're just like, oh great, I'm over my budget this month because I just did all this, <laughs> yeah. you know. Um, and I'm glad that you're doing that. Um, what I actually Thank am you. giving back, I talked to Eduardo, and I wanted to get your your take on it too. Um, he said he was a teacher um, doing architecture mm-hmm. in the Philippines. His students, I think, is in the Philippines, and he said that during the pandemic it changed for him because some students don't have access to technology, whereas when they're in school, they have a computer. They don't even have cell phones, right? So they quit school and they quit learning during the pandemic. And I'm like, I haven't even thought about that at all, you know? And I felt so bad and I wanted to cry, but I'm like, okay, CJ, makeup. No, you don't cry, you know? (laughs) I'm so vain. Anyway, I was like, okay, I wanted... I'm starting right now my LLC in the U.S. I wanted, and I talked to Jabel, and maybe for you too, I wanted to create a class that is transferable, that has transferable skills. Often, and you can give me feedback as well as, you know, you kind of got into transitioning from school to the real world, is Mm -hmm. when you're in school, you're so focused on the theory, Right. The foundation and the experience of being a student. And like you said before, when you go out in the real world, you're like, whoa, what do I do? What do I do in this situation? Right. Mm -hmm. And then you go to work. You're like, I didn't really learn that at school. I mean, I can write a paper. I can answer it. But like, (laughs) how do you deal with conflict with work? Right. And you're not self-aware because you've never been taught to be self-aware. You also don't have as much emotional intelligence because you don't talk about it in school and practice Mm -hmm. it, right? You talk about it 
fury, skin deep level, right? So my class is actually digging deeper on all those qualities on becoming self-aware and being a leader. Yeah. So what I'm actually trying to do is I want to give back in the Philippines. That's where my roots is, right? And hopefully you can help me find a scholar where even for your work, where they can take my class for free and they don't have to pay. Oh, that's so nice. That's yeah. So, so reach out to me and anybody else is listening to this. I, I'm giving back to my community and the world is my community at this point um, mm-hmm. to kind of have a class that have transferable skills for your work. And I think this is why we probably got connected, right? It's just to help to to get that. And, and I think your book would definitely do well. I'm working on my third one. Cross my finger. It's actually about um, leadership burnout. Yeah, I think I need to read your book. Um, I'm, I'm actually, I have a lawyer in there. Um, and I have a business owner in there who's also in my team. Uh, team lead. He's been doing business for a while. And, and we define, well, I define what leadership burnout is and what are leaders doing today and what the breakdown is for leadership. Yeah. <laughs> slowly, slowly. Well, so exciting. I wanted to know lastly about your future. What does your future look like when it comes to leadership? What are your thoughts on that? In terms of leadership, I'd like to add value to more people, to more lives. I don't have concrete, you know, plans as to what that career would be and how many people would that be, but it's like my vision now maybe um it will get clearer and clearer as the day goes by but again we have the architect of our lives yeah. so I, I think the hardest pill that i had to swallow when adulting dr leland is you know the art of surrender because before i would used to plan a lot like my day it's 10 a.m so i have to do this and like that so i get frustrated when i don't do things at the right time but you know when I started adulting, again, a lot of things ha- can happen, may happen. So I plan and I pray and I pray harder and I surrender it to him. That's actually really good. For me, I feel the same way and I created a system, which I'm going to create a class on it. I was a stay-at-home mom for 10 years. And let me tell you, it was so hard to find a job after you stop your career. I was a manager. <laughs> Of over a hundred people at now the second largest insurance company. I used to work as an insurance. I was, wow, I was, really? yeah, I was in licensed property and casualty. I was a manager at age 22. I had a hundred people under me and wow. that That's was impressive. difficult. Okay. But the thing is mm-hmm. I've learned so much through that experience and then I started a family and I took a 10 years hiatus because I wanted to homeschool my kids. I wanted to not miss mm-hmm. anything. But in America, it's so hard to do that now because it's, it's really expensive and inflation is real. Okay. All right. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm fortunate enough that my husband could afford me to stay at home. It's not every day you can. Um, and every parent has to work, you know, to, to survive in, the, in America. But for me, I was able to stay at home 
with my kids and and homeschooled them for two years and I and I told them your very first teacher was your mother you know just remember uh-huh. that yeah uh, that. yeah English numbers math everything was me for two years but the hardest part is like going to transition from you know working adults to creating your family and now you're like oh I gotta go back to work because my kids are growing right and mm-hmm. I'm gonna create a class for women out there uh, who are a stay-at-home mom transitioning back to work again because it's really difficult. We have lawyers, we have you know, and it's hard. And I don't know why it's so hard because when you're a stay-at-home mom, you don't just sit there and veg out. You got so much going on, you know what I mean? Yeah, and those it's are the hardest job ever. Yeah, twenty-four-seven, like nine to five. No, it's twenty-four-seven. And and so I'm going to create a class for that for for moms out there who's transitioning as well. Um, so hopefully that will help somebody, right? Yeah. True. Hopefully that would help me in the future. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'll put you in there <laughs> for sure. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, I love your, I love your future um, outlook and just kind of surrendering yourself. That That's amazing. Thank you for that tidbit. Thank you so much. All right, thank you for being here at Level Up. Thank you for listening to my podcast today. If you have any questions, email me at lua, L-U-A, at levelup by Doc Leland. Doc Leland spells D-O-C-L-E-Y-L-A-N-D dot com. Lua by Doc Leland dot com is open for consultations and courses will be offered soon. I will see you in the next episode. Stay connected, informed, and inspired. Until next time.